You're listening to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Presented by Coors Light. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Yeah. It's The Hockey Show up and running on ESPN 1000. With Brian Hanley, I am Pat Boyle. Hawks coming off their first win of the campaign last night. First time in five games they actually scored first. And the story of last night was Kevin Lankinen, the 25-year-old Finnish netminder in just his second start, gets his first career win. And Brian, uh, no fans at uh, 1901 West Madison, but uh, it was quite a performance from uh, the netminder. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, as he said, you know, of course, the shutout crossed his mind late in the game, but pretty damn good. And as you said, that the whole idea of scoring first, and look, I get Detroit. There's no one's idea of a legitimate contending team, um, but you're supposed to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and that's unfortunately a, a short list for the Blackhawks right now. So it was great to not only see them get a lead, but build that lead and, and have a relatively easy night at the United Center. Yeah, you mentioned it as we talked uh, on the way in about the show. You said this is sort of like when the Bears went on their little mini streak at the end. You got to kind of consider the opponent, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, perspective is everything, right? I mean, it's just Detroit's not a very good team. Now, that said, they've got two wins in their five games. But the fact of the matter is, you know, you, you have to realize, okay, you're not playing Tampa anymore. You're playing Detroit, and it's not the Red Wings of yore. It's not the Chris Chelios Nicholas Lidstrom Red Wings. So, you know, but hey, it's a great win. It's a home opening win. Uh, we'll be talking about it. Is Lincoln in taking hold of this competition? Last week, uh, PB, we were wondering how long uh, Jeremy Colleton was going to cycle the three goalies in and out until he had a body of evidence to show. And right now, it looks like that competition may be over. I'm not sure that it is, but uh, Lincoln and certainly was neck and neck with Delia, and I think last night uh, put him firmly in the lead. That's our Twitter poll question. Who do you see emerging in the Blackhawks goaltending battle? Uh, go to Twitter, follow the show, at ESPN Hockey Show. Your choices are Lankin and Delia, Subban, or you miss Crow and Leonard. Again, go to Twitter there and um, vote on that. And then also, the other question we have is which Blackhawks newcomer has impressed you most? Lankin and Philip Kurashev, Ian Mitchell, or Pia Suter. Again, follow the show at ESPN Hockey Show. Let's hear from Lankin in last night after the 25-year-old picked up his first win. Wow, it feels great. I mean, wow, it feels great. I mean, what can I say? Um, Friday night in Chicago, home opener at the United Center, get your first NHL win. I mean, only the fans were missing. That's, that sucks, but other than that, it feels, feels awesome. He's a technical goalie. He's he's uh, very compact. Plays a simple game, but you know he didn't see him over sliding. He looked he looked the part last night, Brian, both on the ice and even in the post game uh, press room as yeah. well. He looked very comfortable and very confident. And I know uh, Delia also mentioned you know part of the problem or the problem when you're not sure if you're getting the next game or the next period is you have to get yourself in rhythm. I mean, I don't care if you're the, you're the Dominic Hasek in his prime or, or one of these three guys trying to grab the job. So they get they understand the situation, but for the coaching staff, Jeremy Carlton in particular, to get comfortable with one of them, 
it's a kind of a fine line to walk, Pat, that you, you want to see each guy to get an opportunity to, to grab the job, but you're going to see the best of one of these guys if they continue to be thrown out there on a regular basis. And they didn't come up with some sort of formula, like you're going to play five games uh, out of the next 20, or you're going to play seven games out of the next 30 and divvy it up between the three guys. They said, whoever takes over performs the best. We're gonna, It's a game-by-game situation. So Lankinen's going to be in the net tomorrow morning when the Blackhawks take on the Red Wings at the United Center. And I think that's a lot of pressure for these guys, too, because they feel like with, with every shot, with every period, uh, their, their job is somewhat on the line. But, hey, you know what? Put up or shut up time, I guess. The other thing that's really been surprising so far this year, which was an Achilles heel for this team all of last year, was the man advantage. Last year, the Blackhawks connected on only 15% of their power plays. They were they were actually under 15%, epically bad at one point. They are right now connecting on 41% of their power plays. 7 of 17. They had a couple more power plays last night. That's really carrying this team right now. 5 on 5, they're not doing a ton offensively. The penalty kill needs to get better, but good goaltending and a successful power play can keep you in a lot of games, Brian. Yeah, the, the special teams, as you mentioned, historically bad, the, the, the uh, power play last year. The fact that they have one in each game is encouraging, yeah. not just the percentage, that they're not getting three one night and then going blank for a night or two. So that that's certainly one of the positives. And look, you're looking for positives here. You're looking for signs of growth. You're looking for guys to emerge. You're looking, you know, Patrick Kane hasn't missed a step, right? I mean, it's terrific to see he's doing. Uh, Debrinket's doing well. Kubalik's starting to figure it out. So um, there are some positives and some silver linings here. But, you know, the fact of the matter is it's a, it's a long road for a rebuild. And um, so far it's been more bad than good. But last night you'll take it. And you'll take a, a dominant win against a bad team. And you'll take a dominant performance from a goaltender that looks like, as you said, looks like he belongs. Looks like he belongs out there. Here's Patrick Kane last night talking about that power play success that has now had a power play marker in all five games this year. I think that's the key right there. You know, you got both units going. It uh, it helps a lot, no matter who's starting. Um, you know, the other one's ready to, to go, so it's been good. Um I think on our unit, just the the movement in general has been a lot better, um, and uh, there's just a lot of options the way the the hands are set up, especially for me when I have the puck. So uh, it's been good, you know, good start. Just want to continue it, um, not be satisfied with where we're at, and just keep getting better. So Kane has three goals on the campaign so far. How about the uh, the goal by Andrew Shaw on the power play, where all five guys on that unit touch the puck, as as Pat Foley likes to call it, Brian. It's like the Globetrotters. You're just out there, you're working the puck, and it's behind Sweet the back. Sweet Georgia Brown, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and how about that? His first goal. Think about this: November seventh, twenty nineteen. Obviously, out with the concussion, but um, good to see him get on the the score sheet. Great to see Ian Mitchell get his first NHL point. Um, yeah, it, it was a fun game to watch. 
Give us a call, 312-332-3776. What things have you seen from the Hawks that you're encouraged about? And what concerns you most about this team just five games in? Do you think they found their goalie, or is it just too too small sample size for you to have the full commitment? Again, 312-332-3776. The Hall of Famer Chris Chelios will join us at the bottom of the hour. Nobody knows this uh, rivalry between Detroit and the Blackhawks better than Chris uh, you covered him back in the day. You were there the day he was traded to Detroit. It was uh, about as surreal setting as you're going to get. The William Penn Hotel in Pittsburgh, and uh, I think it was, what, October of 1999. My buddy Casey Johnson covering the Blackhawks for the Trib and I um, catch up with with Shelly right before he gets to a cab, the cab stand at the hotel, and um, they have high tea being served at the William Penn. I didn't, I didn't know Pittsburgh was such a refined city because it is the steel city, blue collar. But yeah, so you've got this like classical, a three piece uh, string and cello. I mean, just eating uh, finger sandwiches. And here we're running through the lobby looking for Chelly. And the fact that he was being traded one was shocking enough, but he was being traded to the hated rival was much more shocking. And, you know, I didn't think he had another decade in him after that, but he sure did. And uh, you look at the record books. I mean, most regular season games for a defenseman, most playoff games, um, 664 games for the Hawks, 65 playoff games, seven-time All-Star, up and down list you go. And as someone tweeted out yesterday when we, we tweeted we were going to have him on when Mike Thomas put out the tweet, there was a picture of Chelly. And someone tweeted immediately, it looks like he could take a couple shifts right now at the tender age of 58. <laughs> I think Can't he, argue with it. I think he could. Uh, so he'll join us a little bit later on. He's in uh, a warmer climate. He's much smarter than us. He got out of Chicago for a few days. Also but, much wealthier than us. Well, I'll speak for me anyway. Yeah. He, so, you know, I had him on the uh, the pregame show yesterday. and it, Like, he's got the most eclectic group of uh, of friends, right? You, you know, the oh. Vetters and, and the Kid Rocks. and The Malibu Mafia. The Malibu Mafia. I mean, one thing, you know, the old forum in particular, Los Angeles, well, wherever the Hawks were out there when I was covering them all those years, you never knew who was going to be standing outside the Hawks dressing room or in the Hawks dressing room after the game. Chris Farley and, and any of the Brat Pack and uh, Robert Kardashian and his kids came down one day, right, shortly after the OJ trial. Like, all these, like, like six kids were running down the stairs in a very narrow stairway, and they're, you know, the guard stopped them at the, the base of the door that, led to the uh, concourse where the, the dressing rooms were. And the guy's like, you can't go there. And then the little snotty kid said, you don't know who my dad is. And sure enough, dad showed up right after that and they got him. <laughs> let's uh, let's go to the phone lines and get your thoughts on the Blackhawks five games in. Uh, let's start with John Evanston. Hello. Oh, hey, there you guys. go. I see what you did there. Yes. Good morning. Good morning, John. You know, I don't think I've, had a problem with the Hawks goaltending because they've been there to make the saves. But the problem has always been that there's been nobody back there to get the puck out of trouble, and that's why the the Hawks are scored on easily because the net is usually either open or the goalie's out of position and can't come back and make that save. So once the guys get back there and realize there's more to the game than just putting the puck in the net, getting back there and playing defense and making your goalie look even better by getting the puck out of there after he makes a big save. I think the Hawks will start winning some games. 
John, is you know, is Lankin in your guy? You think he's going to be the one that starts the most for the Blackhawks in the crease this year? Or do you need to see more? You know what? I I I like him a lot, but I also I I'd like to see Subban get a couple of more games because he has he's seen more action than the other two have, and I think his athleticism might make him the starter if they just give him a couple of games in the net. And, you know, like I just said, the Hawks, his teammates have to get back there and make them look good by doing their job defensively. All right, John. Well, thank you for the call. I know uh, Subban, he'll get his opportunity at some point. And then, and then in about uh, two weeks or so, Brian, uh, when the AHL starts going, I think the Blackhawks will then make a decision of the three They'll pick one of them, the one that's not getting as much run here in the NHL, and they'll send them to that that goalie to Rockford so that he can start on a regular basis there, and then they'll bring somebody up for the taxi squad so that they always have three goalies uh, of at their disposal. And I know Jamal Mayer said last week on our show uh, that if he was Jeremy Carlton, he would just at least communicate to the three guys that it's basically a 20-game audition in a 56 game season right that you're not telling you which games you're going to get or how many necessarily but that that's how many games the coaching staff is going to you know kind of analyze and grade out so i don't know if that was an idea for colleton or or, or what their actual plan was but the way lincoln is playing at least last couple games you wonder if they even need that many games to figure it out it's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Break away for nonstop chill. He's Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Your phone calls on the other side, 312-332-3776. Who do you see emerging in the Blackhawks goaltending battle? And do you have a favorite story about the Blackhawks-Red Wings rivalry from over the years? Give us a call, 312-332-3776. Back after this. Hockey Show. Listen on the new ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. The Hockey Show. Presented by Coors Light. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Out, hit a couple of people, bounce right to Kane. Oh, a fortunate bounce from the Blackhawks finds Patrick Kane stick. He's extended a point streak to four in a row, and the Hawks with the lead on a power play tally. Drone for Boquist, he finds a freaking touch it across. There's Kane, put it in front, Shaw! He scores! Oh, that cue up sweet Georgia Brown. I think all five guys might have touched the puck there. A couple of consecutive passes, beautifully executed. Shaw, the tap in, 3 nothing. That's your Harlem Globetrotter reference from the Hall of Fame broadcaster, <laughs> Pat Foley, on NBC Sports Chicago last night. Hawks 2-for-5 on the man advantage. They're now 7-for-17 on the power play in the first five games. That is fantastic. With Brian Hanley, I'm Pat Boyle. This is the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Hawks coming off their first win. Great to see him taking on Detroit. Uh, the first of eight games last night, even though the fans aren't in the in, in the stands uh since the wings made the move to the east 
that's one of the big rivalries. I know you get to see him twice a year, once uh, at, at each team's home rink, but uh, I, I like when these two teams get together. I like when these two cities uh, face off. A lot of passion on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, you know, there's uh, Pulley used to say, familiar faces make for bad blood. Um, and even in this compressed schedule, it doesn't have to be Detroit, obviously, because it's not, but it, it just, when you're playing these back-to-backs, right, uh, a day apart, uh, that that can be familiar enough and bad blood enough to, to get people getting a little chippy and a little, to, to really kind of harden up some teams here and give you some real good battles. So we'll see how that plays out as, as the season moves forward. I think we have to remember, you know, normally this would be, this would be preseason. They'd still be in training camp. They might be playing their third exhibition game right now. So what we're seeing is, you know, guys that are in good shape, they came into camp in good shape, but are they polished? Is the skill at the level that we're accustomed to seeing? And I, I think that is a work in progress. I think you're also seeing the challenge, you know, Patrick said it last night, Patrick Kane, you know, they, they didn't get off to another great start. It, it it could have easily been their fifth straight game where the opposition scores first for the Blackhawks. But it was Kevin Lankinen who made to 10 stops in that first period, including like in the opening seconds, like a, a fantastic stop on Bertuzzi. But they're used to feeding off that crowd standing in unison for, for the national anthem and Cornelison points to, to the flag, and the place is absolutely electric. They don't have that luxury anymore. So they need to find other ways to to motivate themselves, to have that energy level, and to sustain it for 60 minutes. Now, again, both teams are dealing with this, but this is the reality of playing professional sports, the NHL, in COVID-19. Yeah, and, and by the way, you know, Lady Gaga pointed to the flag during the inauguration. I think she stole Jim Zach, but he never wears that brooch. So there's that. There's that. Um, but yeah, it's a different energy. And and the fact of the matter that, that the Hawks, when they, you know, tied those games earlier in the week, and then 22 seconds later, or less than a minute later, you know, there goes the lead. You know, that the, you had uh, Florida taking the lead, Tampa taking the lead. It was such an effort for the team to to claw back from a couple goals down, and seemingly in a blink of an eye, they were down again. So uh, it was great that Lincoln and kept them going early, so they could get that lead, and they built that lead too, built upon that lead because you know it just gives it gives everyone more than just a good feeling to to have a win, even though it's against Detroit. But it also you know it looked it looked better, right? I mean, it looked like that team could compete. And hopefully they can do it against some winning teams now as they move forward. Let's go to the because phone. it's going to get tougher. Let's go to the phone lines three one two three three two three seven seven six. Nathan is up next. Yorkville, hello. Hey guys. First of all, I love the confidence that Lankinen has played with so far, and I really hope it continues. But two years ago, when Delia first came up, he looked pretty good in his first few starts in the league until the other teams caught up with him. So. Just don't want to get too excited too quick. But secondly, the power play has had an unbelievable start to the season, converting on 41% of their opportunities, as you guys said. What do you guys see different this year that's making them so successful, and is it somewhat sustainable? Well, good call. Uh, first of all, Nathan, I think they're moving better. I, the, the, the first game of the season, uh, Jeremy was not happy with the power play, and he said, look, 
if you're not moving the puck, you need to move yourself. And you got to interchange. And that means Patrick going from uh, the right circle to the left side and changing the look up. I also think what we're seeing is, you know, guys hitting the net. DeBrinkett had a rough year last year. His, his shooting percentage was really low compared to his previous two years. He usually would connect on those one-timers as they pass it to him at the left circle. He's doing that this year. Kubalik, he was a late find as far as his addition to this power play. It really took hold in the bubble in Edmonton when he sniped and got, like, what, five points in the first game against the Oilers. Um, He's been great to have uh, in the high slot area. They had Kirby Doc as the net front presence guy. Obviously, he's out of the equation. Uh, so you've seen Dylan Strom in that role. To me, the key to this power play is the top of the umbrella, the quarterback, if you will. So right now, it's Adam Boquist on, on that first power play unit. And to me, he has had a very uneven first mm-hmm. five games defensively he needs to get better and I'm looking forward to talking to Chris Chelios the Hall of Famer get his thoughts on what he has seen from Adam Boquist and you know just his thoughts on an offensive minded defenseman how good can they get on the defensive side so we'll talk to Chris about that but you know Adam right now is getting uh, the run on the first power play unit. You'll also see, and he's been pulled off it a, a couple of times already, and you've seen Duncan Keith. And the one thing about Duncan Keith, and we brought it up on the pregame show yesterday on NBC Sports Chicago, is, you know, Brian, he puts it in the wheelhouse for his teammates. And, you know, the the, the player doesn't have to stop the puck and then shoot it. It is in his wheelhouse. It's a a small thing, but it's a large thing when it comes to the success of a power play unit. Well, I think that's just the veteran guy knowing knowing his personnel, knowing his teammates, and knowing you know what to do. It's kind of like a quarterback, right? You see young quarterback, unfortunately, in this time you see Mitch Trubisky too much on on deep passes in particular, where a guy just literally has to either stop or slow down. And he catches the ball, but now the momentum's gone, right? So where Keith can put it right on someone's stick or give him a one-timer, at, at that split second could be all the difference in the world on the power play, right? It, absolutely, absolutely. Who do you see emerging in the Blackhawks goaltending battle? Your choices, Kevin Lankinen, Colin Delia, Malcolm Subban, or you miss Crow and Leonard. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're uh, at ESPN Hockey Show. He's at Brian Hanley 534 I'm at Boyle NBCS. Let's hear from Jeremy Colleton on Lankinen's performance last night. I thought he was really good, very controlled, uh, made some big saves for us, of course, uh, certainly in the first period uh, when we needed one, when we were, uh, weren't quite going yet. And, uh, you know, the penalty kill, you know, he's a big, big part of, uh, I thought, you know, we, we obviously did a good job killing, but you still need some saves and, uh, you know, he was he was solid for us, and he felt confident with him there. They killed all five Detroit power plays last night, and they had previously given up five goals on their last 15 kills. So that's an area that last year they were a top 10 penalty kill team. Uh, this year they're, you know, at the bottom of the pack. They're around 28th, 27th right now. So 
together, special teams. You know, we talk how great the power play's been. It's not going to always perform at a 40% clip. It's going to come back down to earth. You, you'd like to have it uh, a, a skosh above 20%, but that penalty kill also needs to get better. Those two combined can keep this team in some hockey games if they're not scoring five on five. They did win the game last night, right? Because I, I couldn't tell what Jeremy called it. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They, yeah, they uh, did win. He, yeah, like Brian Suter used to say, he's like the duck. Calm on the what you can see. The legs are going a 100 miles a minute. I guess. I mean, you think. I guess the hockey coaches aren't really the most emotional guys. Some are. Some guys will come over the boards. But I think even Scotty Bowman didn't get excited. But he had a lot of wins, so he got used to it. So I'm, we're going to get excited because uh, coming up next, uh, Blackhawks ambassador, the Hall of Flame, Famer, the one and only Chris Chelios will join the hockey show. That's next on ESPN 1000. The ESPN 1000 Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show on ESPN1000 rolling on, presented by Coors Light. Break away from nonstop chill with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle. Blackhawks coming off their first win of the season. Took care of Detroit last night. 4-1 was the final. Kevin Lankinen gets his first NHL victory. It's our honor right now and pleasure to uh, welcome in ambassador to the Chicago Blackhawks and the Hall of Famer himself, Chris Chelios. Chris, how you doing this morning? Hey, good, Pat. Always good after a win, right? Makes radio life a lot easier. <laughs> it's cer- it certainly does. Hey, it's been kind of an eventful month for you. How, how are you feeling? How, how's your family doing? Everybody's good. Obviously, you're speaking about the COVID, which everybody at some point had to be affected, you know, whether it's friends or family, you know, getting it, you know, the COVID thing. But yeah, I, I was lucky, you know, I I actually went to a funeral. Um, a guy, Monty Ford, who was really responsible, you know, for the start of my hockey as a kid. You know, he ran the rink down in Bridgeview and owned the rink. And anytime, you know, I had a chance, he let me in the rink and skate, whether it was, you know, twelve at night or six in the morning. So anyway, long story short, went to the funeral. Bad idea. Took my mom, my sister, uh, and at the luncheon with a bunch of old friends. You know, a bunch of us could try like twenty-two people, and I think eleven of us got it, but. Ugh. My 88-year-old mom got through it, you know, relatively pretty easy, and my sister and me, you know, really no symptoms. But like you know, there's some bad stories and there's some good stories, and thank God, you know, ours was good. Shelly, uh, speaking of stories, I was telling Pat, the day you were traded and you're leaving the William Penn Hotel in Pittsburgh, and Casey Johnson and I come rushing down the lobby, try to grab you before you hopped in the cab. And, you know, still looking back on that, seems like it was yesterday, but you had another decade-plus of hockey to play, and do you remember the emotions of, of you had been traded, obviously, from Montreal to the Hawks, but, you know, going to the Red Wings in particular after being traded, uh, you know, uh, that day, you know, we were we were shocked one year getting traded and two year going to the Red Wings. Yeah, I mean, my world got turned upside down. You know, one, it, and it was a matter of about, I'd say, two weeks where the writing was on the wall that things were, you know, near an end for me in Chicago. And I didn't want to believe it. I tried like heck to, to try and, you know, figure some way out that, you know, that I could stay there. But at the end of the day, it was kind of a 
you know, a rebuild. And I truly believe it was time for me to move on because, you know, the Hawks were in that transition period. And um, obviously I couldn't carry the load at that point, you know, at my age and at that point in my career. And, you know, I, I didn't sleep, you know, for, I don't know, months, you know, and, and until the following season when we started and I'd moved my family to Detroit, did it not, you know, it kind of sunk in that, you know, I'm not going to be in Chicago anymore. And it, it was sad. Like it really was. And it could have been a disaster because I had Chicago hate me, Detroit hate me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, the fact that I lasted 10 more years and won a, a couple of cups and then the Hawks come back and win three cups, it, it couldn't have been any better for me uh, the way it worked out. And then, you know, ultimately to be able to come back, I had a great relationship with Mr. Wirtz, meaning Bill Wirtz and Rocky and, and, I always knew I was coming back to Chicago. It's just a matter of when my kids were done college and, and the right time to move back. And, and it's great. You know, I'm really lucky, you know, that the things turned out the way they did for me. When you were going through it, Chris, or even after, did you talk to anybody like Dennis Rodman who went through a similar thing going from Detroit to Chicago and dealing with those passionate fan bases on either side? Uh, did, did you talk to other athletes who – you know, were beloved in one city and then went to the, to the rival. Yeah, I mean, I, in Dennis's case, like he was entertaining. I don't, you know, with the Pistons for sure because of the, you know that bad boys image. They were very well hated. San Antonio, I think, you know, Dennis has gotten, you know, he was doing all kinds of stuff and and acting up, and it was more that I don't think the fans as much as you know uh, disliked him as much. Uh, as they did in Detroit. And then when he came to the Bulls, everybody loved him. He just, you know, kind of took the pressure off MJ for a little bit because everybody was waiting to see what, you know, uh, Dennis was going to do next. But, yeah, it's – I think they, the, the one thing I remember when I did get traded the day, I you know, I, I went into the dressing room and got to the Joe. Um, I'd been traded with, Wen, you know, Wendell Clark, Alf Sandelson, and Billy Ranford. So that made it a lot easier to walk in that room and, and – you know, because we we're all in the same boat. You know, Wendell Clark wasn't very well liked. Samuelson, for sure, everybody hated. So, you know, <laughs> we fit in. We fit in perfect. <laughs> Shelly, uh, when you look at some of the younger uh, defensemen on the Hawks, we were talking earlier. Pat was talking about a guy, offensive-minded defenseman like Adam Bokvist. You know, what what hurdle does he have to get over to to be more of a defensive defenseman? I mean. Everyone wants to score. Everyone wants to be the guy putting up points, but they need him to, to play the blue line and, and do the dirty work too. Yeah. I mean, obviously you got to put him with a guy that's going to support him, you know, stay home guy. Um, right. It looked like, I think uh, Keith was with him the first, first game. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. And Keith's um, back with him now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess I, you know, for Duncan, you know, obviously he can't carry the load like he used to either. Um, he still, you know, can be a threat offensively for sure. And, and he, you know, but it, it's a different role in, in Boquist. He's, he's going to have to, you know, learn how to play the position like all young defensemen, you, you know, you get exposed, especially, you know, cause you're the last guy back. So he's going to have to learn how to play the position. He's not a big body, obviously, you know, he's a little light. So, you know, guys driving the net, it's going to be tough for him. He's just got to get position on these guys. And, you know, offensively, he moves the puck quick. He, you know, he knows what he needs to do, you know, before he gets the puck. And he's a smart kid. But, again, it's, you know, it, the matchups, again, like if, if he's up against big power forwards, it's going to be that much tougher against those those big teams. And um, But, again, he's skilled, and he's just got to play a little smarter, and, and he needs, again, help. The, the guys, they need support. The, obviously, the Hawks are struggling defensively. 
you know, these first four games yesterday, you know, much better to see, even though they did give up a lot of quality chances. The goalies, both goalies had to make some unreal saves. Chris, uh, you know, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. Uh, Chris, you, you mentioned those net minders and I, I want to ask you about having three unproven goalies in a competition at once. I mean, throughout your career, I, I, you probably didn't have many times where you had two or three young goalies and no veteran there and they're battling for a job. What type of effect can that have on the rest of the team when uh, the really important position is kind of up for grabs and it is a competition? Yeah, I mean, yesterday's a perfect example. Lacking a heat in the first period, it could easily been, you know, gone the other way and been 2 nothing. He made some unreal saves, as did the other goalie for Detroit Bryce. So, um, but you're right. You got three guys that, you know, Subban's been around, hasn't really, you know, taken that step to, to, to be a first, you know, a starting goalie. So it's a, it's a good competition, but again, they, they've got to play way better defensively. You don't want your goalie to be your first star every night. It's great. He's part of your team, but you know, that that's, that's not a good way to win sometimes when your goal day in and day out is your first star. But again, he, he stepped up Lankin in. So I, you know, I would imagine you just go with the hot hand, and, and I, I would think he's going to start that next game, right? Uh, he, and, he has to, right? I, I absolutely think he will. Yeah, and it, it just remains to be seen. Unfortunately, you know, uh, what happened with Crawford, you know, I, you know I'm not going to comment on anything, but you had a quality goaltender. He came off a great year. You know, the year before was a tough one for him with the injuries and the concussions and but I mean, you—it's tough when you lose a guy like that, and and, it, and you, you need a great goalie, you know, to take it to that that level to to compete, and get the playoffs, and, and be a legitimate, you know, Stanley Cup contender, you know. And you went through a few goalies here. I mean, guys like Steve Passmore, and I remember even Dominic Hasek when he was here with the Hawks. He said initially he couldn't stop a beach ball through being thrown into the lake. When do you know? When when do you know that a guy is going to emerge, and maybe not to be a Stanley Cup-type goaltender, but a guy who's going to be very good and, and going to be the backstop you need to, to have a contending team. Yeah, and I mean, I've had some of the best in front of you, Patrick Roy, Eddie Belfort, Dominic Hasek, even you know Curtis Joseph put up unreal numbers. Chris Osgood, which he hasn't really gotten the credit I think he deserves, got over 400 wins. But it's it now, you know, for the Hawks, it, you know, it's it's going to there's no telling. I totally honestly now with Dominic Hasek in his case, I watched him play in the Olympics and I watched him play in a in a World Cup, and I went out on a limb the the, the year he came to training camp with the Hawks and Eddie Belfour is never going to forgive me for it. But I said Dominic was the best goalie in the world, at, you know, before he came to Chicago, and then you know Eddie had that contract dispute and Dom played two three exhibition games and I'll never forget he let in a wrist shot from the blue line, no screen, no nothing. And that was it for him. He was gone the next day. <laughs> and then, you know, he went on to Buffalo, and you saw what he did there. But uh, So, yeah, I mean, you got to just hope one of these kids catches fire, gets some confidence. The guys, you know, have confidence in him, and uh, they get, you know, rolling. It's, it, it can happen. Like, that, that's how quick it could change. Chris Chelios joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Hard to believe Patrick Kane's in his 14th season in the NHL, continuing to put up unbelievable numbers with a different set of line mates each and every year. Uh, he became a father uh, during the pandemic, so he's got a little son at home. Chris, you've got a, what, a nine-month-old granddaughter? Yep, nothing better. 
<laughs> Maybe she might have more kids, but yeah, it's amazing to have a baby around again. It's awesome. All right, so here's the question. Is 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 Grandpa Chelly going to give her a Blackhawks sweater to wear <laughs> tomorrow morning when she's watching the game, or will she have the, the Red Wing? We are all Hawks, including her husband, Danny Vitale, who's a local kid from Wheaton, plays football. He's with the Patriots. He just took the year off for COVID. But we're all Blackhawks. You know that. Awesome. Awesome. That's good. You know, my second team, obviously, is going to be Detroit because of you know what I did there and the way they treated me there. But yeah, she's a little hawk for sure. Absolutely. My money was on the Thrashers. I don't know. <laughs> that was just to make sure I was done. Shelly, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. thank you for joining us. Uh, I know you're in warmer weather. Hope you, I know you'll have a better day than we will up here. But uh, you'll be watching that Blackhawks Red Wings game tomorrow morning. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, going back to Kaner, it's good to see him off to a good start. You know, that line, I love the chemistry of that line, especially with Shaw, you know, goes to the net. You know, he's he's one of the best in the league, at, you know, to drive in the net or being in the right position to block out the defense. But that play, that goal they made last night, just spreading out the wings and through the seam there, it was beautiful. So I hope they can keep going to bring it. Obviously, very skilled player and great one-timer. So I hope they can catch fire because if one line gets hot, you never know. They could take you a long ways. We'll see if they can uh, stack some wins up here. Chris, thanks for joining us. Be safe. Had a lot of fun okay. covering you, Chris. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. That's Chris Chelios, the Hall of Famer on ESPN 1000. We're back with your thoughts on the first five games of this Blackhawks season. What stood out to you? What do you like? What are you a little concerned about? 312-332-3776. It's a Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. With Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The White Sox are back. Jose Abreu will touch them all. On ESPN 1000. Maybe an MVP. Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show. Presented by Coors Light. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Listen on the new ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. The Hockey Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Mitchell activating. Conan dropped it a stroll. He threw it back to Hahn. Let's it go. He scores! Calvin DeHaan rocket beating Grice and the Blackhawks double the lead. Calvin DeHaan scoring last night. Pat Foley on the call on NBC Sports Chicago. It's also Ian Mitchell's first NHL point. Back on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Breakaway for nonstop chill. One of our poll questions is, which Blackhawks newcomer has impressed you the most? Your choices were Lankin and Kershev, the aforementioned Ian Mitchell, or Pia Suter. Right now, Lankin is the leader in the clubhouse at 40%. Ian Mitchell is checking in second place at 31%, Brian. I think he's been one of the big big surprises so far, the uh the former Denver University product who uh, stayed an extra year in Denver to be a captain and kind of fulfill a commitment there. And uh, he has hit hit the ice and looked uh, not like a rookie at all in this first these first five games. Yeah, I gave him a vote, gave him a little, uh, little love there too. But I can I get I get why Lincoln is in the lead here because most important position, obviously, and and he's looked pretty good the last couple of games. Certainly last night in particular and. 
you know, even Pia Suter has been terrific. Kurashev, I mean, it, it, and we were talking about this before the show, Pat. We could put a couple of second year guys on there too. I mean, they're they're not necessarily newcomers. Yeah, Kubalik would certainly yeah. would fill that role. Yeah, and um, he's going to be essential to whatever they end up at the end of this rebuild. He's got to be he's got to be one of your top point producers to if this thing's going to be successful. So um, I know Hawks fans are frustrated. We're getting some of that Twitter response as well. <laughs> People tweeting out their frustration. So. Uh, not everyone on board with the idea of a rebuild and, and Stan's plan, but uh, it is what it is, and, and you're either going to have to get on board and look for some positive positives each and every night, and this short season in particular, or uh, or say wake me up in three years and let me know how that all turned out. Yeah, well, we'd all like to to have a season end with a, a parade in Grand Park. That's just not reality. I and mean, we got three of those in six seasons, so. Uh, we're kind of paying for it now. That's on the hockey, back end. baby. That's hockey, baby. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Mark in St. Charles, welcome to the Hockey Show. How you doing, Mark? Hey, good. How are you? Good, thanks. Hey, uh, Pat, you just kind of hit my point. Uh, three three cups in six years, we're, we're blessed. And I, I think we're kind of ignorant to the fact that it doesn't last. But I'm excited about the rebuild. I think if you take a look at what they're doing, it's you got to give uh, Bowman the benefit of the doubt. But uh, with this cap, you really can't do much aside from rebuilding, bringing in younger talent. And I just like the fact that Kane is going to have another uh, playoff and cup run at some point. Look, he, he they all have three years left, both Taves, Kane, and Keith. And, you know, of the three, you would assume that with the trajectory of Kane's career, the production he still has, that he is the likely one to get an extension of that group. If you're going to keep one member of that group and continue on as you try to win more Stanley Cups, 88 seems to be the guy that will fit that bill. The question is, how quickly will this rebuild come along? I mean, they've got a lot of question marks, and it starts in net. Again, you talked about it at the top of the show. Uh, you know, Kevin Lankin in a good performance against Detroit. Even though Detroit, you know, outchanced them early on in the game, had uh, some high slot shots more than the the Blackhawks did last night. Uh, you got to also consider it's the Red Wings. You know, it's like the Bears down the stretch, Jacksonville, Detroit. Yeah, Detroit you know, yeah, yeah. Who, who are you facing there? So uh, they're probably somewhere in the middle after facing the best of the best in Tampa the first two games and last season's worst team last night, the Detroit Red Wings. And look, there's not a, a hint or an inkling the Hawks would want to trade Patrick Kane or that he would waive his no trade clause to go anywhere. But you know the phone's going to ring around trade deadline, right? I mean, it, it, if he continues to be at the top of his game, and I still can't believe it's 14 years into it, if someone just wows you with an offer, is that even a consideration? I mean, no one's untradeable. Well, right, here's, here's the thing, Brian. Everybody's dealing, and, and the reason why the money has been, everybody that's been on the market is getting less than market value sure, because sure. of the pandemic. We've seen it every sport. Every sport. It, the Cubs are having a garage sale, right? We, we've had, exactly. We've had a, a flat cap situation in, in the National Hockey League. And to take on a $10.5 million salary, most teams don't have that room. Here's the other thing. If you get a Patrick Kane, you also want to get a bump at the box office. 
He's and there's no box and office. there's no box office. Right. So like the likelihood of trying to acquire a Taves or a Kane in the current climate that we're in to me doesn't add up because whatever team might have that cap space to bring that person aboard. And oh, by the way, like you said, they all have no trade clauses. So, you know, Arizona can have all the cap space they want. If Patrick doesn't want to go there, he's not going there. And guess well, what? And it, he doesn't want to go there. And then someone did point out uh, via Twitter that they're surprised that Jonathan Taves wasn't at the United Center last night. Now, you know, I, I don't know that was necessarily a shock, but it is kind of interesting that he's no, not around the team, right? And mm-hmm. We have the initial statement from from the team saying that basically they're trying to figure out what what's ailing Jonathan Taves and he's on long term IR, but you know some fans are, are just looking for any signs that he's he's around the team or part of it, and it appears he's not. I mean, I, I don't know his whereabouts or, or any progress. Or if there's any reports on if they figured out exactly what he's dealing with and how they're going to approach it, but some you know. More than a few Hawks fans would like to know if they have any more information and any more of a timeline, whether Jonathan Taves is going to be part of this thing at all this year. Look, I, I get everybody wants to know the situation and where he's at, and that's where the rumors and the speculation uh, is fueled. But here, here's my take on it. Jonathan Taves has earned the opportunity to tell us about his medical situation. He has put his but on the line for the better part of 13 years. He's done everything you could possibly ask from an athlete, both both on the ice and off it. He has delivered championships. He's been a model citizen. He has given back to his community. He's now dealing with an ailment that we don't know about. And until he comes out with what it is, I'm going to respect his situation and let him tell me I'm not going to be the first loud mouth out there to tell you what I heard. Let, let Jonathan Taves tell us what is going on with him. I think he's, he's earned that opportunity from this city. And I understand the, 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 the passion and, and craving the information and wanting to know, but, until Johnny says what it is, I, I'm I'm going to stay out of the speculation game. Amen, brother. What do you got coming up with uh, Freddie Hubner here over the next few hours? Oh man, so much to talk about. Look at that. The Bulls actually looking like a team that uh, can get things done. Uh, first what first three game winning streak in forever, and uh, obviously we got a couple football games coming up tomorrow that people are interested in. We have local sports that look like they're going to get underway, and uh, we're certainly going to spend some time reminiscing about the man as well as the superstar player of uh, Hank Aaron and Steve Greenberg from the Sun-Times. So just a ter- terrific writer will be joining us as well. And we're taking your phone calls at 312-332-3776. So lots to talk about. And we've got a couple hours to do so. Freddie and Brian are up next. My thanks to producer Tyler Aki. Uh, thank you for calling. Again, 312-332-3776. Uh, Freddie and Brian will take your calls on the other side. Thanks to the Hall of Famer Chris Chelios for joining us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Tomorrow, Hawks look to wrap things up with Detroit and take the two-game sweep. Then they are taking on the Nashville Predators on Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll see you next week on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000.
The Hockey Show. Listen on the new ESPN Chicago app from anywhere. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports.